Well, um, guys, I'm, I'm excited about being here today to share with y'all, but it is a little bit unusual. Uh, I've been a youth pastor for 46 years, and as best I remember, and I got to tell you, I can't remember what I had for lunch last week, so I could be wrong here, but as best I remember, this is the first time I've ever spoken to the graduates. Um, usually the pastor would do this, but he's in Israel, and I got to tell you, I was not the first choice to replace the pastor. TJ was. I was actually the third choice to do this. So, you know, you kind of get what you get. But uh, TJ's in uh, India. But I do remember that I was also the third choice of my wife. And, and that turned out pretty good. I mean, it turned out pretty good for me. I don't know about her. But uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm excited about being here. Um, this is a commencement service. This is not a termination service, okay? Even though I did read on someone's Facebook that they were graduating at church today, I'm sitting there going, that sounds like they're graduating from church, and uh, that's not what's happening here. We're going to have a commencement time. Uh, now, I got to tell you, I got to be honest, in all the 45 years before now that I was a youth pastor and we had these kind of services, uh, I would always be out there, but I don't really remember much what anybody said because I wasn't graduating. So I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Didn't usually take notes. So when I found out just a week ago that TJ wasn't going to be here, I'm going, oh my gosh, what do I do for Graduate Sunday? I had nothing. I mean, literally. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to go and get Jesus' uh, commencement sermon and just kind of preach what Jesus preached. I kind of re-preach his sermon. Let me, let me just tell you guys a little bit. A lot of what you hear preaching is just preachers re-preaching somebody else's sermon. So, but it's better to preach Jesus' sermon than somebody else's. So we're going to look at Jesus' graduation sermon, his commencement sermon. Now you think, a lot of y'all are out there thinking you know the Bible are going, Jesus didn't preach a graduation sermon, but he actually did. We call it oftentimes the Great Commission, but you got to understand, Jesus had been training these 12 men for three years. He'd been training them in ministry. So they were getting their doctorate of ministry and it was after the resurrection, Jesus got these guys together and he gave them this little graduation sermon, which we took what he said and we turned it into the Great Commission. But we're going to look at what Jesus said to his guys. Now, it was probably one of them was already gone by then, uh, hanged himself, but the other 11 guys were there. And there was probably, according to Paul, there may have been as many as 500 people there. So it's a lot of ways it's kind of similar to this. I mean, here's the 11 and then there's all these other people that are hearing this, okay? So Jesus preached this uh, commencement sermon to these guys and it's in Matthew chapter 28. So if you have a Bible, if you want to turn over there and uh, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to look at part of what Jesus had to say. If I re-preached all of Jesus' sermon it would probably be two or three sermons. I know you don't want to stay that long. Okay, so look at verse 19. We're just going to look at the first part of verse 19 of Jesus' commencement sermons, and this is what we're going to focus on. Here's what he said, verse 19, the first part of it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's part of Jesus' commencement sermon. Let's have a word of prayer. God, I just thank you today for all these folks that are commencing that means they're starting to go forth. And I pray, God, that you, not me, would speak to their hearts because Jesus, I believe that what you said in this little graduation commencement sermon that you gave to these 11 guys still applies to us today. 
and it's probably the most applicable thing that anyone could share with these graduates today. And I pray for the other 500 that are here that are listening, that you would also speak to their hearts. In your name, amen. Well, this is a very simple sermon. There are three things that Jesus told us to commence. The very first thing he told us to do was to go. Now, I got to tell you guys, I mean, we've kind of gotten Christianity and the Christian faith and we've kind of turned it upside down, inside out. And we've really got it all wrong because what we think that we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus Christ, what we think we're supposed to do is not go, but come. We tell people all the time, once you come to our worship service, once you come and sit, and we think that that's the height of the Christian experience. But that was never what Jesus had in mind. As a matter of fact, if you think back, when he first introduced these guys to being a part of the, the, the movement or whatever, he didn't tell them, hey guys, come and sit and let me teach you. He said, come and follow me. It was going to be an action thing. It was going to be a going thing. And Christianity has always been on the go. Unfortunately, in these later days, we've made it a come and sit thing. Now, let me tell you guys what some of your parents are going to say. Uh, I can anticipate this after, not after preaching any sermons to y'all, but after being around for all this time. They're going to tell you, and they, they mean well, they're going to tell you, now when you go off to school, you need to find a nice church to go to, okay? And you need to go and attend the church. What they're telling you to do is to come and sit in a pew, okay? Now, they mean well by that. But I want to tell you, that's not what Jesus told these guys to do. He never told them to come and sit in a pew. Instead, he told them to go. And if you go off to college, or even if you're here at ABAC or whatever, if you uh, commence from this graduation and you find a nice, comfortable pew at some church somewhere to sit in, you have missed what Jesus is asking you and wanting you to do. It's always been about go. Now, it's good to go to a church when you go. Don't hear me saying, Bill said don't go to church. It's good to go, but that is only a starting place for you to find a place to serve. As a matter of fact, well, we, we changed this whole graduate thing around. In just a minute, we're going to do a thing. We're going to read a thing where we're actually commissioning you to go out and to become missionaries on your campuses. Now, a lot of y'all... This is not what you're looking for. Let's just be honest. You're not sitting here thinking, man, I can't wait to commence and go to that University of Georgia and be a missionary there. But this is exactly what God wants you to do. And what better place than college? You know, we think sometimes, we think that uh, parents, and I had two kids, you know, came through the youth group and whatever. Sometimes as parents, we think, I just hope and pray that somehow my kid that I've raised up in, you know, in good church attending person, that they will somehow survive the four years in college. You know, that they won't get some philosophy professor that turns them into an atheist, or they won't get involved with the wrong crowd and start going out and doing drugs and drinking and all kinds of immorality, and somehow maybe they will survive. But y'all, that is not the mentality we need to have. We don't need to have a survival mentality. We need to have a going mentality that we are going to make a difference on the campus. I went to a state university, like many of you guys are going to go to. And this was, this was in the 70s, you know, it was a really long time ago. But uh, at my state university, I, I suspect that most of the professors 
because a pagan place like Florida, most of the professors, I mean, it wasn't University of Florida. That's even more pagan than where I was, went. But I went to Central Florida. But most of my professors were probably agnostic or atheists, okay? I remember I had one biology professor. I don't know why I took this guy several times. I actually studied a lot of biology in college. Don't ask me why. But anyway, I had this one biology professor that as, as uh, biology 101, he made it pretty clear to our class that he was there to convince all of us that there was no God. Now listen, that sounds like, oh my gosh, I want to get out of there. This is terrible. I'm thinking, man, this is where I need to be. This is where I need to be. Because look, all these students were sitting in that class and they were listening to that guy spout off about this and that. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, college students are really open to change. You know? They'll take all the faith they had for the first 18 years of their life and throw it out the window, but some professor got up there and told them that there was no God. I'm thinking if they're that open to change, man, we're in the right place. Because if we go to them, they would also be open to knowing about Jesus Christ. So the very first thing I want you guys to see as you're commencing, as you're going out, is that you are to go. Now listen, don't hear me saying, don't ever go to church, okay? But a church would, should only be a place for you to, to get to where you can then start to be used by God to minister to people. And especially, you know, I know occasionally I'll find some student that'll go to college and they don't really share their faith on campus. It has nothing to do with the campus. But then on Sunday morning, they'll go to some church, you know, 10, 12 miles away. And so they have their kind of their church life and their campus life. And, and to be honest, some of y'all have kind of done that in high school. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about actually going and making an impact where you go. So the very first thing Jesus told these guys was to go. The second thing he told them was to make disciples. Now I have to tell you, we've kind of misread this verse. We've read it, and what we've, what, we've, what we've read it, and then what we've thought in our heads, that Jesus told us to go and preach. And we're sitting here going, well, I'm not a preacher, so this doesn't apply to me. Okay, first of all, the whole concept of preaching in the New Testament is not what you think. Matter of fact, the word that, is, that is, uh, was translated preach oftentimes in the King James, in some of the more recent translations, they've translated that same word proclaim. So it doesn't say to go and proclaim here in Jesus' commencement address. But even places where you see that we're to go out and preach, we're not so much preaching as we're proclaiming. And what are we proclaiming? We're proclaiming the good news about Jesus Christ. So every one of us, because remember there was 500 people there, and he was telling them to go make disciples. Every one of us is to make disciples. And the part of making disciples is at first we share with them the good news about Jesus Christ. Because how can somebody become a disciple unless they first believe? And how can they believe unless we first tell them. Now, if you're here this morning, graduates, and you have Jesus Christ in your heart, who knows if you do, only you. But if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you've got a story to proclaim to people on your campus. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you just telling people about Jesus. Now, the problem is that the discipleship, that's only the beginning point of discipleship. It's a lot more than that. As a matter of fact, Jesus had three years to disciple 12 guys. Every day, these guys were with him for three years. And at the end of that time, let me tell you how successful Jesus was. At the end of that three years, one of those guys betrayed him, and the other 11 guys, they all ran off. 
not really that successful. Now, fortunately, when Jesus was raised from the dead, these guys saw him, and they're going, man, we kind of blew it running off Jesus, but now we're back, and, we, and they really were back. But if you think about the greatest disciple maker there ever was, Jesus took three years to disciple 11 people. Then you realize why a lot of us don't really get into discipling people, because discipling people takes a long time, and it's a lot of hard work. And we don't want to do that. We want to tell people, come to church, sit in a pew, just like I'm doing. Why would they do that? I mean, really, why would they do that? So we need to have in our mindset that I, my job is to go, but it's also to go and to make disciples. Now, I got to tell you, like I said, we think that, you know, hey, you know, this is really, really hard, and I don't know. And guys, it's hard for me. I sat down this week and I thought about some of the things that I've done. I've been, like I said, 46 years as a youth pastor, uh, 26 of them here. Even at First Baptist Tipton, we've done a lot of things. I kind of added it up this week. We've gone on 97 mission trips. 32 of those were international mission trips. We've had 161 people go on international mission trips. We've had almost... 2,000 different people we've taken to our Ormond Beach retreat. A lot of y'all have been on international mission trips. You've been to Ormond Beach, you know what I'm talking about. We've had close to 1,500 different students that have come to disciple now. We've had almost 4,000, now this is 26 years, and not at one time. We've had almost 4,000 different students come to our Wednesday Night Joy Explosion in 26 years. That sounds really good. But I sat down, I began to think, that really doesn't matter. What Jesus didn't call us to have big events, he didn't call us any of this kind of stuff, he told us to make disciples. That's what he told us to do. So I sat down and thought about it, and I, I thought about making disciples, and I started to count. And I didn't count all the people that, that were in the ministry, the 46 years that went into the ministry. As a matter of fact, I, I used to keep count of that, and when it got to like 50, I stopped doing it because I was going, what difference does it make? And I didn't count the students that are, are worshiping God and involved in church. I didn't count the students that were, that were discipled by their parents or by a servant leader teacher or by an intern or by Emily. I didn't count any students who were discipled by any of those people. I counted all the students in 46 years that I discipled, just like Paul discipled Timothy, just like Jesus discipled the 11 apostles. And I counted them all up. In 46 years, only 19 people. I'll be honest with you. That's kind of sad, really. I mean, I've been getting paid to do this, okay? That's kind of sad, 19 people in 46 years. But you know what's even sadder than that? That's probably above average. It's probably above average. I just challenged adults that are here, count up in your life. How many people have you really discipled? And I don't mean like how many people did you teach in a Sunday school class or, or whatever. I'm talking about people that you really poured your life into. And you don't really, you haven't really made a disciple until they're actually discipling somebody else. You see, we don't want to do this. This is hard. This takes time. It takes energy. Matter of fact, it takes your life. And we don't want to do this because it interferes with what we're doing. And we wonder why Jesus has been gone 2,000 years and the world's only maybe one-third Christian. We didn't follow what he told us to do. I promise you, if we started from day one in this Christian faith thing and started making disciples, and they actually did in the very early days, but as soon as they got a little bit down the road, they started hiring people to be preachers and, 
And then they started building big buildings, and it became, it became different from what it was. I promise you, if we actually made disciples from day one, it would, the whole world would now either know Jesus or they would at least have heard about him. So we don't want to make disciples because it's hard work. But I want to tell you all a story. When I was growing up, I wasn't a Christian, but my best friend was a Jewish guy. And uh, he had a, had a couple of brothers, and uh, I had a brother. And so the five of us were kind of hung out a lot. My family and his family, were, that was my close, you know, we used to do things together. This Jewish family and our family, we were kind of, we weren't really Christians, but every, you know, blue moon we went to a Presbyterian church or something. So anyway, so one of the guys, one of the brothers was a guy named Jack. And, uh, you know, I kept up with all these guys. They're my best friends. And Jack was a good friend. And Jack, uh, when he got, got on with his life, he went into the U.S. Air Force. Now, I'm going to tell you all something that happened to him in the Air Force. And some of you all might know better than me. So if I kind of mess it up, please forgive me. I'm just telling you what I heard 40 years ago. So I might not have all the details right. But I think this is right. I mean, I know what he told me. But here's what happened. When Jack went in the U.S. Air Force... He got assigned to a missile crew, what's called a missile crew. And uh, you see, we don't, y'all don't probably think about this, but we have out in the western part of our country a lot of uh, nuclear missiles in silos. That means they dig a hole in the ground and they stick a missile down in the ground, okay? And then right beside that missile, they dig another hole in the ground and they have a crew that's down in there. And their job, really, to be honest with you, is just to wait. I mean, they probably have some duties they got to do, check the fuel and make sure all the electrical stuff is working, but mainly they're there, uh, so when the president calls them and tells them to shoot this missile, that they're there to do it, okay? That's what they do. Praise God, does, no one's ever had to actually, you know, push the button. But there's in every one of these missile silos, and they're all over the West. I've actually seen some in, uh, when we were out in uh, Wyoming one time. But in every one of these missile silos, there's a crew. And what they did, at least what Jack's crew did, is there's, there's four guys, okay? And they would be down in a hole for 24 hours at a time. They'd go down the hole, and they'd be there. I guess they're eating while they're there. They're sleeping while they're taking shifts, eating, sleeping, checking stuff, you know, playing, whatever. I guess because they're down in that hole for 24 hours, I guess they get kind of close to each other because... Besides guarding the free world, what else do they got to do? I mean, they can't even watch TV down there because they don't want to have any transmissions going off that some enemy might find where they are. So they're down this hole for 24 hours, and they come up, probably have a couple days off. Another crew comes in, then they go back. Well, Jack's in this missile crew, okay? My friend Jack, the Jewish boy's in this missile crew. And wouldn't you know it, there were three other men in that missile crew, and they were all Christians, well, what else are they going to do when they're down? They start talking to Jack about Jesus. And if you know anything about Jewish people, I mean, I love them, but they're usually not the easiest people to convert to Christianity. I mean, that's not what they do. But two years of these guys talking to this guy like every day, he became a Christian. But they didn't stop then. They spent two more years telling Jack everything they knew about Jesus. They were discipling him. I don't think they had a plan to disciple him. They didn't have like some material. We think discipleship is a class or a course. Discipleship is a life. You tell someone everything that Jesus has done in your life, how you knew how to do this, and you tell them in such a way that it makes sense to them and they can then repeat it. So they spent two more years discipling this kid down in a missile hole. 
You know, I sometimes told somebody, I said, it's like there was three ordinary guys. They, they weren't planning on doing anything, but God put them in a hole in the ground with a Jewish guy, and they figured it out from there. So what happens? Jack finishes his time in the Air Force, and he gets out. And then he goes to seminary. And then he served as a missionary in Hong Kong for like 30 years. That's because three guys that didn't have anything else to do with their life disciple this guy. Now guys, I don't know where God's going to put you next year in college, but here's what I think. He's probably going to put you somewhere that right beside you is somebody that you could disciple. A roommate, somebody on, in a fraternity and sorority, somebody on a sports team. There's going to be somebody there. Because I just believe God's always putting people down in holes with a bunch of people need to know about Jesus. So the question is, not if God's going to give you the opportunity during the next four years to disciple somebody. The question is, are you going to do it? Now, some of y'all are going to ABAC, and it's going to be real simple for you because you're going you're to help us here with working with our teenagers, and you're going to be put right down into a, into a group called Servant Leader Group with a, with a bunch of high school or middle school kids. And you know what? They're there. And you've got a great opportunity to disciple them. So that's what Jesus told us to do. He told us to go. He told us to make disciples. The last thing that, we, that we're told to do or that we're supposed to do in Jesus' commencement service is to join. Now, what am I talking about join? Because I just quoted the part about, you know, into all the nations or whatever. What am I talking about joining? See, guys, we've got a problem. Let me tell you what the problem is. 90%. This is America. This isn't necessarily First Baptist Tifton. But it probably holds true in about every church in this country. 90% of the youth that grow up in church fall away while they're in college. That's one of the reasons why we're always going, hey, you know, we hope you somehow survive. We, you know, we hope you'll find a church and go to, you know. Um, but 90% of the people fall away. Now listen, I'm gonna tell you something, okay? If I, first of all, if I was not a Christian and I went off to college, there's no way I'd get up and go to church on Sunday morning. I mean, why would I? I mean, you know, I mean, like, man, there's, I sleep in. Matter of fact, if I was not a Christian, I went away to college, I'd, I'd party pretty hard in everything that word means. Because why not? You're finally out from under your parents. You can kind of do your own thing. You can lie to them when they ask you what you're doing. They'll never know. You know, just don't put it on Facebook. If they're on Facebook or get a, a new Facebook account, they're not on, you know. And so that's, that's the natural tendency. But I'll tell you something else. If I was a Christian and I went off to college and I was, you know, not really committed to the cause of Christ, I probably still wouldn't get up and go to church. Because basically, I mean, like, I'm kind of lazy <laughs> and I like to sleep, you know? So I probably wouldn't be out going buck wild, but I probably wouldn't be in church. I'd be in that 90% that dropped out. Now, we were talking to our staff why, do people, why are these people dropping out? Why are these people dropping out? In a staff meeting, we were talking about this, and somebody said, well, I think it's because they don't believe in God anymore. And I said, I don't think that's it. And they had some other things, like, well, they got involved in a sinful lifestyle, or some of them said, well, maybe because their parents were a little hypocritical. I mean, I don't buy any of that. Some of them said, well, maybe, they, maybe the services are not contemporary enough for them. Maybe they don't like the preaching's not good enough for them. Maybe the youth minister, the college minister, blah, we can go on and on and on and on. But I think I know why people 
drop out. I think I, I know why if there's 24 of y'all here this morning, there's a really good chance that in four years, only like four of you are actually going to be going to church. Why is this? It's because we never joined a cause. We maybe joined a religion, we maybe sat in a pew, we maybe got baptized, but we never joined a cause. Let me tell you why I think this. Muslims. I've had a chance to travel in several Muslim countries and talk to people. We're over there to tell them about Jesus. I got a chance to talk to people. Let me tell you what, Muslims are not having a 90% drop out of their young people. They're not. They're not losing hardly any of them. They are. They're, those people, I mean, and, and, and you think it's hard for you to go to church once a week. They go to church every day. Five times a day, they're, they're, they're getting down and praying. Some of them go into church five times a day, every day. Okay, but here's the reason. Why is that going on? Is it because their theology is right? No, it's crazy. Why is it going on? Because there's a cause called Islam, and they are totally committed to that cause. Now, until we... Until you guys get totally committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. I don't just mean you kind of come to church and sit in a pew, kind of like your parents did and your grandparents did and your great-grandparents did. You know, until you get totally committed to that cause, there's every reason in the world why you're probably going to drop out and you're probably not going to go and make any disciples either. You're just, you know, when I was in college, I mean, I didn't have the advantage that you guys have. I, I was not a Christian. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I don't ever remember my parents reading the Bible to me not one time. I mean, I had great parents. I love them, but they never read the Bible to me. They, they never taught me how to pray. They never, they never told me anything about Jesus. You know, I mean, I went to church and once or twice a year, maybe. I don't even know why we did that. But when I was in college, I just kind of one day just accidentally or maybe people say it was God's providence or whatever. I just, one day I just went to a Bible study. I mean, how harmless is that? But I became a Christian there. And when I became a Christian, I didn't really know what to do. There was no one really discipling me. But, you know, I had this Bible thing that I've been given. I should have brought my Bible. I was given that Bible when I was in, like, second grade. And I don't even know why they gave it to me, because I didn't go to church. But they gave it to everyone that got baptized. I was baptized as a baby. Here's second grade. You haven't been coming to church. Here's the Bible for you. you know. We didn't, didn't have any ceremony, or they might have. I wasn't there. I just probably came in the mail. Well, I had this Bible, and I pulled it out. I started reading. It's a dangerous thing to do, y'all. I'm telling you. Because when you do, all of a sudden God's going to start talking to you. And here's what I realized. I realized that this Christianity thing was a cause. You see, up until that time, let me tell you what the cause of my life was. Up until that time, I started reading God's Word. The cause of my life, the thing I lived for, the thing that, that, that got me up in the morning was me. I had a great plan of what I wanted to do. I had a great career planned out. I was going to be a naval officer. I was going to be flying planes. And I was, I was in a prestigious military college. I was a midshipman. I was on full scholarship. Everything was falling into place. I was ranked really high in my class. I was going to achieve all the goals I had set out for me, and that was my cause. Now, listen, it was fine to serve the country, but I got to tell you, I wasn't going into the military to serve the country. I was going in the military because this was a great career. It was for me. It was all about me. So that was my cause. 
And as I was reading and reading, I just kept, I just, I was, I just, especially when I got over to some of these passages, like this passage in Matthew, and, and some of the things that Paul said, and I realized that this is not just a religion. This is not just something you do one day a week or, or you know, whatever. This is a cause that is worthy of your life. And it's worthy for you to give your life to the cause of Christ. And what that means is that means you have no other cause. Now, I'm not trying to set myself an example. I'm not talking about going in the ministry. I would not encourage any of you guys to go in the ministry unless for some reason God were to call you. But when I realized that that this was the cause, I said, God, what, what, what do you want me to do? And for me, as crazy as it sounds, he said, you know, I don't even know what this meant, but he, he started leading me to do youth ministry. So I resigned my commission I gave up my scholarship. I had still college to go. I had to pay for it out of my pocket. But I was following a cause. Now, 46 years, I got to tell you, I'm not really a skilled or talented youth pastor. Okay, I'm sorry you guys have been saddled with me for 26 years. I don't really have a lot of the skills that a lot of people have. As a matter of fact, my personality goes so against this. I am, in, in, in so many ways, I'm an introverted person. And I've got to, part of, my, part of my thing that God's, I've got to go and, and sit at a middle school table with a bunch of middle school kids. I mean, y'all, I'm 64 years old. And I, I mean, kids I don't know, I've got to try to talk to them. How awkward is that? That's about the most awkward thing in the world. Like they're going, what is grandpa doing over here, you know? And like, you know, it's so awkward. It is so difficult. I mean, and you know, I, sometimes I even go, God, why wouldn't you let me just be a fighter pilot? I could do that. I could fly planes and blow people out of the sky. Why wouldn't you let me do that? And there's nothing wrong with doing that. If that's what God's got for you, okay? I'm not saying, I'm not in any way doubting that. But God said, Bill, it's a, you're part of the cause. And for you, this is what I have for you. And I have for you to disciple people and to make a difference in people's lives. Now listen, it's not about being the ministry. You can make a difference in people's lives in almost anything that God calls you into because you can disciple people wherever you are that's the beauty of it you can disciple people when you're down in a hole in the ground you don't have to even be in church and here's the deal guys one day one day you're gonna hopefully most of y'all are gonna be old like me you're gonna look back on your life It's like some of your parents are looking back on their life, going, you're going off, you know, whatever. But you're going to look back on your life. And if you look back on your life and you see that God has used you to make a difference in a totally messed up world, because it is, that God has used you to disciple people and to make a difference in a totally messed up world, even if it's only 19. And I honestly think that most of you could do way better than me because I come with, with a lot of limitations and abilities But if you only were to disciple 19 people in your lifetime, you would have made a difference, a significant difference in this world. And if when you get to that stage in your life and you look back and you say, God has used me to make a difference, then let me tell you what. You can look back and you can feel good about what God did through you. And there is that feeling that you have that God has used you to make a difference in the world. That cannot be bought with money and there's no price tag you can put on that. You know that commercial, priceless? That is priceless. 
So what I want to do this morning is challenge you guys. Your whole life is ahead of you. This is commencement. You're going out. Some of you, honestly, if you were honest, to this point in time in your life, this, what I'm talking about, has not really been a part of your life. That's okay. You can go forth from this place. You can commence from here. You can walk out this aisle from this place and go, why? I am joining the cause of Christ. And I will give my life to the cause of Christ. If God calls me to be a school teacher, if God calls me to be a coach, if God calls me to be an astronaut, whatever God calls me to be, my cause is the cause of Christ to, to go and to make disciples. And you can be used by God to make a difference in the world. Or you can just live for yourself. Is that really what you want? Is that really what you want, just to live for yourself? Because I'm afraid that's why we have so many people dropping out of, of the faith, because live for yourself, why not? So I want to challenge you guys this morning. We're going to read a little, little responsive thing in just a minute. I want to challenge you. Take it seriously. Go forth from here and live for the cause of Christ. I'm not talking about living for the cause of First Baptist Tifton or any church. I mean, yeah, you should be in church. I mean, that's Jesus died for the church. I'm talking about living for the cause of Christ and be used by God on your campus as a missionary. And just see, I mean, wouldn't it just be cool just to see what God could do in your life four years on a college campus if you went out there and said, God, here I am, use me. I'm going to go, I'm going to make disciples. I have joined the cause. This is my life. Just, I think God could use that in pretty awesome ways. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these graduates. God, so much potential here, unbelievable potential for the cause of Christ. And I lift them to you. I pray, God, that this, what I've shared, what you've shared, would not fall upon deaf ears. Jesus, it's the same thing that you told your 11 disciples 2,000 years ago. And we pray for each graduate. They would seriously consider this and follow the cause of Christ, going and making disciples. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.